Christy live from the ESPN 690 and a Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I think that knowing that, that the situation was probably going to be, there's going to be a change. I wanted to make sure that it was the right fit for me and for my family. Obviously, like as I mentioned earlier, uh, Denver is a place that uh, has meant a, long, a lot to me over the years. But to know that this is a winning football team, you know, if I was going to waive my no trade closet, you know, it had to be to a winning football team. And these guys are winners back here. And so I'm excited about it. It's a winning locker room. So it's about the players. You know, it's about the players. It's about, obviously, a great coaching staff and organization. But uh, the players, we helped get it done. And uh, that's what I was excited about. That is Russell Wilson. It's very interesting. There are, there are reports and statements and everything coming out now of uh, Seattle and Denver that uh, basically the Seahawks are saying Russell Wilson initiated everything and wanted out, and so we started to explore it. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson said and it, it was a mutual decision. Um, I think I kind of believe Seattle in this. I think Russell probably has the power to say, hey, I kind of want out, and, and that might have started all the way back two years ago. Uh, so a little bit of that um, on his exit from Seattle as the league year opens today, and so now we're seeing people talk about the moves that, well, everybody's been talking about for the last couple of days and even the last couple of weeks in some cases like the Russell Wilson move, which happened some 10 days ago now. Brent Martineau, along with uh, Austin Lane and Casey Kurtz. Stuart Weber joins us now uh, on the phone just back or getting back now on his way from Jags headquarters where he just spent the last hour with Trent Balky and Doug Peterson. Very informal meeting with the media, but it was on the record, so a lot coming out of Jags headquarters. And Casey has warned you, Weber, that if the Gator moves, you will be interrupted even though you might have some, well, pertinent information as it involves the Jaguars. I'm never upset about Gator news. Gators are very important. Yeah. Uh, Well, we've got our new mascot here, so maybe you want to go take a picture with him outside the ESPN 690 studios. All right, what's the biggest takeaway from this meeting with Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson? There were some things on Cam Robinson and Brandon Linder. Uh, and who they targeted, who they got, Darius Williams, how will they play him? I just saw some quotes and tweets about Trevor Lawrence, but you were there. You were in the room. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, what just went down over the last hour? Yeah, I think the Cam Robinson news is pretty big. The fact that, you know, they obviously franchise tagged him for a second straight year, but intend to uh, work out something long-term with him and keep him as a part of this team for the foreseeable future. Trent Baalke, uh, was making the note that, you know, over over his time here inside the building, he's he's really gotten a firsthand chance to see just how much Cam Robinson loves the game of football, citing a couple uh, practice examples where, you know, he got dinged up and said, tape it up and let's go. I need, I need to do this. I need to play. I need to work. Uh, so that's an interesting one to me that, you know, we, we haven't really heard that full-on commitment to Cam Robinson uh, in the past. Obviously, you keep signing him to these one-year – you know, kind of holdovers in the franchise tags, but uh, they they seem very interested in, in making us a longer-term deal. Stuart, you know, we, we've heard the word collaboration being thrown around a lot um, from, the, you know, the new regime um, and just how it's panned out so far. I mean, you know, obviously Trent Baalke spoke about it. Like, do you feel the goal of trying to assign Cam Robinson to a new deal, is this more Trent Baalke based Is it more Doug Peterson-based? Or is it really a collaboration of 50-50 here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say how much of it could really be Doug Peterson-based just because he's had such 
a little amount of interaction with, with Cam. I mean, obviously he got here after the season ended, so he really hasn't had that much of a, uh, a relationship to build that anything from Doug would have to come from what he's seen on tape. tape. So mm-hmm. uh, that has to encourage you that what Doug has seen on tape, he's clearly signed off on because, like you said, they're, they're working in league. They're, nothing's going to be 100% one guy or the other. It's all going to you know, come between the, the playing side and the, the personnel side. So at the very least, Doug saw what he liked on liked what he saw on tape and, and kind of said, okay, yeah, let's, let's keep moving forward with this. Uh, Stuart Weber with us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, uh, football at 5, and we're talking a lot of Jags. Jags uh, meeting with the media today, Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke, hitting a lot of different topics. The Brandon Linder one is interesting. I saw your tweet. We saw some tweets coming out of there. Our interpretation, Stuart, was that they tried to restructure his deal. Maybe he didn't want to do it, but they're still going to have Brandon Linder be the center as I think the quote from you was, we're moving forward. Do we have that right? Again, that was an interpretation off a tweet. What was the the context of the Brandon Linder discussions down there? Yeah, it's interesting. The, the way he, you know, he was kind of talking about Linder, it really left all the doors open, if you ask me. Uh, you know, the, they obviously were trying to figure out what, what, what the future is going to look like with that offensive line, but... I don't know. I kind of got the sense from what they were saying that, yes, we're moving forward with him in the plans, but that could very well change. It's kind of the sense that I got, and obviously we're all interpreting off of off of words. It's hard to hard to fully understand when you know you don't want to tip your hand too much as as a general manager or as a head coach. I mean, you want to keep those you know ideas to yourself a little bit, but. I mean, in my mind, they could very well stick with him there, or they could find a way to get rid of him. It wouldn't shock me if it went either way, quite honestly. Well, that's kind of what Austin said, too. He said it kind of left the door open to to basically say, hey, we're going to keep trying to restructure, and if you don't, maybe we move on. But, Austin, that's a hole you have to fill if you move on. And and there are a couple of guys out there, and maybe the draft offers a couple of people, too. I just don't think they want to create holes on this football team. Brendan Linder's a good player. No, he is a good player. You know, when he's healthy, obviously, the biggest thing is health. And you brought the point many times with, you know, you signed a guy like Brandon Sheriff, who, when he's healthy, is also a great player. But he has had an injury history as well. So, yeah, I mean, if they can come to some kind of compromise, I would rather keep Brandon Linder um, as opposed to letting him go. Um, Sure, there might be an upgradable position out there someplace in free agency. But... I still think it's important to kind of maintain some of the guys in that locker room and keep in mind who we're talking about here. We're talking about a captain um, of that Jaguars offense. So that's not just a guy you can just wash your hands of and rid of because I think it means a lot to the locker room as well. I do think adding a second Brandon on the offensive line complicates things as well for team meetings. Uh, you know, Brandon, <laughs> you know, which, which one are you referring to? Who are you talking to in this meeting? <laughs> yeah, that could certainly be the case. Uh, Stuart Weber with us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Coming out of Jags headquarters today with a meeting with Trent Baalke and, and Doug Peterson. Uh, they told us two weeks ago, Stuart, we were at the Combine, that they were going to be very aggressive spending money. They lived up to their word. I appreciate that. They said it. They did it. Um, were they kind of proud of that fact <laughs> that they were spending money? And how much better did you sense that they think they got this football team? Obviously, they wouldn't have made those kind of decisions if they didn't think they made the right moves. But was there a confidence there or, or that you sensed that, hey, we got a lot better the last three days? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of made the point that, hey, we really didn't target that many guys in this free agency, and the ones that we really did target are the ones that we got. Um, obviously, a lot of talk about, you know, the Christian Kirk co- uh, contract and how it is kind of resetting the field, as it were, as far as receiver money goes. And, and Trent Baalke made the point, look, uh, if if he the – only re- the only way that people are going to keep talking about his contract is if he doesn't live up to it, right? And we're obviously not thinking that way. If, if he's able to go and meet those incentives and get paid for it, he's going to earn every single penny that we paid him on this contract. So, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about the, the money side of things, they feel like if these guys live up to what they think they will, then they're going to be worth it. And, and that's kind of how you have to think when you're talking about free agency and in a position where you need to upgrade the roster. And that's absolutely what they had to do, and they think they did. Stuart Weber with us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, Stuart, Trevor Lawrence was the topic of conversation. What's the, uh, was it typical, like, hey, we love Trevor, we think Trevor's great, Trevor's doing a great job? I mean, or was there anything earth-shattering about, was he involved in any of this? Did, 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 they kind of, did he kind of give his seal of approval? Uh, do you get the sense at all that there's a lot of communication with their franchise quarterback uh, and the front office? So what's your sense on, on anything new from a Trevor uh, front other than he was at the players championship Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I did I yeah, I didn't get the sense that he he was involved as as much as maybe we'd like him to be because you know, we all think that hey, this guy deserves to be in these meetings and say, "Hey, give me this guy, that guy, this guy." I don't I don't get the sense that that's that's the case at all. Now, do they recognize the fact that uh every move they make on offense has to be to make things better around Trevor Lawrence? Yes, obviously they they get that. They get the fact that if Trevor does better, the team does better. Therefore, they're going to do a lot of different things to, to make sure that Trevor is able to play up to his full potential. Uh, I, I don't see it in a situation where, uh, you know, they're, they're asking him for his advice on that stuff. Now, they said he's, he's acting like a sponge. He's trying to soak everything up. And in the limited interactions that Doug Peterson has had with him, he's been impressed. But, I mean, beyond that, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going quite to that level just yet. Stuart, what were the talks um, with Amari Cooper? You know, obviously a guy that should have been on the Jaguars' radar, probably the best wide receiver. I mean, wasn't a free agent, but the, the best viable guy to go after and get. Um, you know, I think Balky alluded to it a little bit. Did he give you any more details in terms of what went wrong and, and why he didn't end up in Jacksonville? No, I, I think they wanted to, to keep those internal discussions internal as far as uh, – the process of maybe trying to get Cooper to be a part of this team. Uh, so they weren't really giving us too much as far as that goes. Obviously, we know it didn't work out. They didn't bring him in. I did ask Doug Peterson about, you know, having a number one receiver and, and the importance of that on your on your team. And he seemed to be okay with the idea of having a bunch of different guys who could step up at different times. And maybe over the course of the season, you kind of figure out who your number one guy is because – you know, going into the season, who's the number one guy, right? Is it is it Christian Kirk, who you just paid all this money to? Is it Marvin Jones, who was that guy last year who kind of was the one who was constantly on the field, constantly having to make plays? Is it a possible future guy you get in the draft? Now, th- these are all the question marks that we have. Uh, I think they're in the mindset of let's play it out on the field. Now, if Cooper's able to be traded for and arrive on the team, maybe they think a little differently because you have him as that role and that guy who's going to immediately take up that number one, you know, quarterback coverage. Uh, but as it plays right now, uh, we'll kind of have to just see how it all shakes out in training camp and in the early season. 
Well, uh, two thoughts on that, okay? One, Peterson and company have to kind of say that because they didn't land a guy like Amari Cooper, as Austin was mentioned, right? So they don't have the number one guy. But I, I will defend Peterson in this respect. Austin, they didn't really have a number one guy when they won the Super Bowl in 2017. They had a committee. They had Aguilar, uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith even caught some balls for him, and Zach Ertz was really their primary weapon. Yeah. at tight end. He, he had the biggest year of anybody with, I think, uh, over 800 yards and eight touchdowns, and there were two other guys with 700-plus yards and eight touchdowns and nine touchdowns for Jeffrey. So in, in defense of Peterson, he's won this way before. Like, he's seen that happen. And while I think we're still starving for this number one guy in Jacksonville, we'll be like, that's our guy. That's our number one receiver. Where other teams have, like, two guys sometimes that could be number ones on other teams. Jacksonville still doesn't really feel like they've got the guy, and they'd still have the draft to get that guy. But again, in defense of Peterson, Austin, he's done it this way before and been successful. Sure, and you've done it that way. But if you look at the history of the Super Bowl, usually there is a pretty bona fide go-to receiver. You know, Cooper Cup was that guy for the Rams. Uh, T. Higgins, I'm not T. Higgins, I'm sorry, Jamar Chase was that guy for the Bengals. You know, I mean, we talk about the Chiefs, yeah, it's, it's a combination of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So it's like 1A and 1B. Um, you know, Christian Kirk can, you know, bring that up a little bit, but I still think it's beneficial to have a go-to receiver. And when we talk about, you know, one receivers or, or 1A, 1B, it's not necessarily saying, like, you have to have the guy that when the game's on, you have to go to him, but it's saying you have a highly ranked wide receiver. And I think Amari Cooper is definitely a top 10 type of caliber player. Uh, let me ask you uh, one more thing, Weber, and then we'll let you roll. Uh, last year, and I'm not sure he was wrong on this, Urban Meyer made a lot of mistakes, but I don't think his observations were wrong in terms of lack of speed on this football team. Did you catch any kind of narrative about speed or anything else uh, of out of Trent and Doug that they were trying to fix and ramp up and maybe thought they did? Um, or was it just a little bit more broad? I mean, I'm not sure there's a right answer here. But I just remember every conversation it felt like we had with Urban Meyer was like, speed, 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 speed. And again, he wasn't wrong on that aspect. The Jaguars lacked speed, and hopefully even at the linebacker position and Christian Kirk position, they got faster during free agency these last couple of days. I think the best parallel I can make to that idea is he, he was asked about, you know, maybe bucking the trend when it comes to the signings and how they kind of fit into former Trent Balky M.O.s, you know, his M.O. being uh, big guys and maybe guys who don't have major injury history. Uh, and obviously some of the guys that they picked up are maybe a little smaller and maybe have dealt with some injuries, like Ingram having missed quite a few games, uh, Sheriff, same thing. Uh, but he, Trent Balky kind of made the point that, yes, maybe some of our guys aren't on the bigger scale as far as the ones that we just signed in free agency, but they make up for it in being dynamic. Now, dynamic is certainly a word you can interpret however you want, but uh, speed certainly plays into that, right? I mean, that, that's part of being a dynamic player in a guy like uh, Darius Williams at the cornerback position and maybe some of the other players when, when related to size, but maybe they have the speed, speed instead. So uh, that's really the extent of kind of where the conversation went when you're talking about that aspect, uh, as far as I could tell. All right, good deal. Uh, I, I lied to you. I'll leave you. Should I bet my house on Aiden Hutchinson after you left an hour with Doug and Trent? Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the first pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I mean, he could be. I, I wouldn't bet your house on anything. That doesn't seem like a good bet. 
Well, it hasn't been. I've lost a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he should be living in a cardboard box right now, but somehow he miraculously pulls it off time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah, we, I will say we didn't really we didn't really get into the draft. So we you know we had plenty of questions about free agency to talk about. So we'll save the draft questions for a future uh, powwow. That's cool. Uh, good stuff. Uh, we appreciate it, man. Good work down there, and we'll see you on TV tonight, uh, breaking it all down on Fox 30 and CBS 47. All right, sounds good. All right, that's Stuart Weber uh, checking in from Jags headquarters. Says, Here's the deal down there, too. It's pretty unique. I, I think this was an effort, by the way, Austin, to help build relationships a little bit. And I'm not saying, like, this is something that's lacked over the last couple of years because of COVID. You've heard me talk about this quite a bit about the Jags. Like, they had nobody defending their organization over the last handful of months when things were hitting the fan. And I think this was Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke meeting with the media very informally but still on the record. And while I say, I say that because, like, cameras were not av- um, allowed today. Okay. So these were all quotes and tweets and um, which, you know, you know, in commercial break, I might say, doesn't always sit with me the greatest because we kind of like to get them on camera. Yeah. But I understand what they're doing, and I understand. You can be more informal. Like, in this setting, you can say it's all on the record, and then you can kind of be like, hey, uh, this part's off the record right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you can give the media a little context. I really thought – I give the Jags credit here for this, even though, again, as a TV guy, this doesn't really help us out a ton, um, but it still helps us out in terms of covering the team. So I get it. I think I think this helps build a, a little bit of relationship with the local media, gives perspective, which really lacked over the last couple of years, but especially the last three, four, five months in that building. And so um, – I think this was good for the Jacksonville Jaguars today. And, and by the way, shed a lot of light on the whole process, right? I mean, there's a lot of things coming out of there mm-hmm. that are good nuggets that we've talked about now for the last couple of hours. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's definitely some transparency there, which you like to see. Um, you know, the, the, the draft will be another telltale sign exactly how much they share and divulge. But I like what I'm hearing so far. Wouldn't it be great, by the way, like, I've always said this about all the teams with number one pick. If you just flat out said, like, the two days before, three days before, yeah, we're taking Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I mean, it would be great, I guess, but then you, you kind of, you know, in terms of, like, your your, your the, the trade potential, I'm not sure if you hurt yourself with that or not. Well, you might help yourself with that. Yeah, but, you know. In this situation, in this situation. I, I know, but there's always the, the chance that maybe a team is, like, Super infatuated with Evan Neal and think the Jaguars might. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's all speculation at this point. But I'm. I'm. Much, I'm. I'm one to keep my kind of mouth closed a little bit in terms of the draft and let the teams come to you. Well, it will never happen. By the way, for two. Re- it, if it didn't happen last year, it will never happen because Trevor Lawrence was a slam dunk, no doubt, unquestionable number one overall pick, and it still didn't happen. And by the way, the NFL would discourage you from doing that because they want at least a little drama. Yeah. And the teams that the teams just don't operate like that. It's just not the way it works. They they yeah. want to build it a little bit, and they also don't want to say I'm going to go pick a guy, because then gives them leverage and potential contract talks. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And so, what if something falls through? Yeah. Um, so I guess that mysterious nature protects you as a football team. Um, and by the way, I don't think it's a slam dunk they're getting Hutchinson. I think it's a slam dunk they're going pass rusher. Like again, Maurice Jones-Drew said yesterday, like he still takes Evan Neal's in play. Evan Neal is not in play for the Jags. <laughs> He's yeah. not. He can't be. Yeah. 
All right, we'll be back. Football at 5 continues. Good check-in with Stuart Weber there. Uh, fun day here in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I want an update on the Gator. You'll get an update on our brackets coming up next on ESPN 690. think throughout the rest of this season, every time we look up, he's going to have 30-plus, and I think he's going to win his first scoring title along with his first MVP this year. He's not letting off the gas. Kendrick Perkins? You better believe it. Who's he <laughs> talking about? Is he talking about Steph? I'd probably say Embiid. Embiid? So, yeah, unconfirmed. I'm just looking for sound so I can go back to watching the Gator. <laughs> So yeah. it said Kendrick Perkins on MVP. I was like, oh, he'll say it for sure. No. Well, because Embiid hasn't won one yet. Like, Steph Curry's obviously won a couple. Joker's won one. I, I bet he's talking about Embiid because I think he said first Yeah, time. you're probably right. Yeah. yeah, and he said scoring time. Is he leading the league right now? Score? Um, ooh, that's a great question. I think he is, but don't quote me on that. I love that. Um, Casey has readily said, I'm just on Gator Watch. I don't care about the show. Anymore. Oh, no, so am I. Listen, if you're watching the stream right now, <laughs> apologies in advance, but I haven't been on, on the stream in, in the past, like, 30 minutes because I'm now sitting right outside, like, where the window is with my back turned, and the microphone, thankfully, it can reach to me. But my focus right now is on the Gator. So what's the latest on the Gator outside the Action Sports Shacks? Brent, if we're being honest right now, it's kind of uneventful. Not much has changed. He, no, <laughs> he hasn't moved, bro. But no, so it, Casey, you're wrong. He actually moved his left leg a little bit. His left leg was kind of oh, in the pouncing position, yeah. and now his left leg is more in a chill position. But I will say this, though. It's been uneventful, but Casey and I both agree it's, it's kind of eerie right now, Brent, because usually there's geese walking by and ducks. Everything is very quiet, like there's death in the air. So I, I, I have a feeling that before the show's over, we've got, we got about 30 minutes. I have a feeling before the, the show's over, we might see a kill shot on something. Wow. Fingers I mean, crossed. We have cats out there. We have geese out there. We have ducks out there. I just wonder what's going to die. Well, that's what I'm saying, Brent. It's deathly quiet right now. Like, hey, when's the last yeah. time you saw the cat, though? Let's be honest. Oh, no. I'm, wait, well, I'm being serious. Oh, no, but there is one cat though that, you know. The tailless cat. I mean, I could call it a mascot because it's a cat. You know how I feel about cats. But he was part of the, the, the CMG family, let's just say. Yeah. And, yeah. and I haven't seen him today, Casey. I'm just saying. By the way, we do have a tailless cat and and a legless goose. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to start upping our brand up a little bit. What, what a bunch of wuss animals. A, a legless goose and a tailless cat aren't winning any kind of fights. But now we bring this gator to the party? Oh, we no got, one's messing with us. We got an eight-foot gator, man. Yeah, hey, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm excited. That's why my complete attention, I mean, yeah, free agency's cool, too, but that's why my complete attention right now is at this gator. Hey, ESPN 1000 in Chicago, what are you bringing to the table? Pigeons? Pigeons. <laughs> got, a, got a ten-foot gator out here just waiting. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep you updated on the Gator Watch. Uh, you know, Gators, in reality, you go to the zoo or you go down the alligator farm, whatever, kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. Because like, they do a lot of what's, what's happening right now. You sit there for an hour just waiting them for to move a leg. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. But in case you can confirm this, there's been a couple of times where he's, 
I don't want to call it like a death kind of stance, but but he's taking a stance where it's like he sees something and he's just waiting for that time to strike. Can't confirm, yeah, yes. Yeah. In attack mode. Yeah. He's ready. Yeah. The, the, yeah. It's like for agency. He's like the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. <laughs> we, just need, we just need a Christian <laughs> Kirk to walk by. Yeah. Okay. We need that Christian Kirk. <laughs> we need that. Hey, may, maybe it's a, a little duck. Maybe it's a baby duck. Doesn't matter. We're going to overpay for it because we're going to town. We're going to Sizzler tonight having some meals. Yeah. That PETA title sponsorship of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 just isn't going to work out. Yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. We, we have like 10 sandwich shops at our door right now. We're not worried about PETA. <laughs> yes, we and guess what? Yes, we they, they ain't all vegan sandwiches either, so PETA can deal with it. <laughs> Gator Bites coming to a yeah, show yeah, near you. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, let's uh, go on a little NCAA tournament. Do you have time to do your bracket? Or are you just not going to even deal with it? Oh, no. You know how it works, man. No, so usually I go Wednesday night to do my bracket. But, I mean, I, I can definitely tell you where I'm leaning to if you want to go, go with that right yeah. now. Well, yeah, because you you have to wait until these first four games are completely over. That is correct. Yeah, so yeah. Wednesday oh, night way, is the time one, I fill it up. One thought on this. Does anybody watch the first four games? I hope you listen, by the way. They're on ESPN 690. Absolutely. But, like, you can just tell, like, because first four games are really not involved. Does anybody do a bracket that has a first four game in it? I don't think so. I bet Casey right? does. I have two of the first four teams See? winning in the first round. See, I told you. Casey Casey does. Does. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, in your bracket or your pool or whatever, the games last night and tonight don't count toward it. Oh. Unless, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, because unless you, you have, like, Indiana, the and then you pick them to go to, like, the Sweet 16, and then you Which is the – yeah. The, if they lose. Yeah, right? I did pick Indiana to win the first game on the round of 64 games, so, like, I did need them to win last night. But, yeah. Yeah. I got you. Um, but my point being is, like, like, I still don't I, – I wonder sometimes how much of this is traditional in, in the sense that of my age and how much of this is reality. But I think these two mix in the sense that nobody cares about the 64 going to 68. The, the, this is true, yeah. Like, I mean, if you talk about college football expanding their playoffs, well, then obviously we're, we're all here for it. We're here for the drama. We're here for the controversy. We're here for what we can watch. But as far as the 68, yeah, I don't think it really – I mean, it, it's good for the schools, you know, that are on the the bubble. I'm sure it's nerve-wracking. But at the end of the day, for, like, the, the casual observer, yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Um, all right, so give us a little bit – you don't have to – like I said, we weren't going to go over everything on the um, – uh, every game on the bracket. But overall thought on the bracket, who you could see doing well, and then I'll even I'll go a step further and give you uh, a couple upsets that I have, Final Four and Champion. Yeah, so to me, you know, it always comes down to experience. It comes down to talent in terms of who are the best players um, in college basketball. And I get they might have lost a little bit um, of their guard play, but Gonzaga, to me, is still the best team right now in college basketball in terms of experience, in terms of talent. Um, and you get the sense that they have unfinished business. So I'm not saying I'm picking Gonzaga to win because I, you know, I haven't made those selections yet, but I think Gonzaga is definitely going to go very, very far um, in this tournament. Uh, Casey, are you picking a lot of crazy upsets? Because I find myself, when I did my bracket, that I... I thought I would pick even more upsets to go deeper, yet it's such a hard thing to do. I'm like, okay, I don't know if they can get this far. Yeah, I feel like I haven't done anything, like, super crazy that I'm kind of looking at it. I mean, you know, the casual Loyola Chicago winning a couple of matchups is, you know, that's a given. Uh, Virginia Tech interests me. Miami interests me a little bit. So 
Uh, nothing, nothing. And I, like I said, I have uh, Indiana winning a couple games. I think Notre Dame wins tonight, and then I think they beat Alabama. So I do have a couple things I got my eye on, but uh, Gonzaga's going to lose to uh, our Kansas. Mark it down. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, how about that? I have our Kansas, Arkansas, <laughs> some would call it. Yeah, so no, losing, I like our Kansas, too. <laughs> losing in the first round to Vermont. Oh, well. oh wow! Okay, so that kind of put a damper on. No, it's it just it's just one you're gonna lose. Like I don't know yeah, what to tell yeah. you. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know what to tell you. That's right. Brad, I, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I my biggest upset of the first round. You aren't gonna like Providence. it either. Providence. Oh yeah, I I have, Prov- South, I have South Dakota State beating Providence for two reasons. Number one, South Dakota State is the best three pointing uh, shooting team in the entire country, and number two, the best player on that court that day uh, tomorrow at 12:40 is gonna be on South Dakota State. Who is that guy? Um, I forgot his name. He's he's like he's supposed to be a first rounder, though. Like he's long, he's a great legit. shooter. Yeah, he's legit. All right. So here's the thing: the Jackrabbits scare me a bit. Uh, Tyo's also brought this up. They're the second leading team in the country from a points per game standpoint. Sure. Gonzaga is the only one better, and so that concerns me because Providence can have some trouble scoring the basketball. What I'm hoping happens with Providence, and by the way, I love the Friars, and I and I love the year they're having. Ned Cooley, I think, should be coach of the year with what he's done. But they are probably a shade overrated. They have won a lot of close games. They are susceptible to being upset. I really do believe that. What I'm hoping wins the day here is their physicality. The Big East has a has a reputation, if you go years back, of playing physical. They have brought that back in recent years mm-hmm. with Villanova's and Providence's and UConn's good this year. and uh, even the cra- It's a physical brand of basketball. And so can they do that to bump people off the three-point land for South Dakota State? Will they be ready for that kind of physicality? And can they impose their will down low? Because they have a couple of big guys, Providence does. Uh, Watson's a really good player for them. So I, I don't, I'm telling you, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of people that pick that as an upset. Because the matchup is is a is an interesting one. It, it could it could definitely go that way uh, for South Dakota State. And by the way, I think South Dakota State's been there quite a bit in recent years, if I'm not mistaken. So they have a little bit of history. Like this isn't going to be like that new to them. Yeah. Um, and they're 30 and four. They know how to win. I think they might have the most wins. Oh no, Arizona has 31. Um, but they're right Murray up there. State's I think got they, a lot of them too. Murray State has 30. Yeah, they're 30 yeah. and two. Murray State might have the best winning percentage of anybody in the tournament. Yeah, nothing. Actually. You know, you know what it is. But um, um, here's, here's the problem with Murray State. Yes, is they gonna play Kentucky in the next round? Well, and first like, of can all, can you people, get them by Kentucky? I'm not sure, but what the line is right now. But they're the underdog in San Francisco. Like, I know nothing about San Francisco. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, yeah, I, I haven't yeah. watched one lick of San Francisco basketball this year. Um, you know, due to the comments that they're in, it's the West Coast bias and everything. But I guess people are ranting and ranting about the, you know, the, the, the guard play of San Francisco. Now, Murray State um, has good guard play as well. So people are making this out to be, like, a really great matchup, which I didn't first see happening. When the teams got announced, I'm like, okay, that'll be an easy dub for Murray State. But people are acting like it's going to be a, a battle, a close game. And I will say this with Kentucky. Obviously, I think a lot of people have them going far as a trendy pick. I'm not sold on Kentucky. If Murray State can get past San Francisco, and I get I'm biased and everything, but what I like about Murray State is that they don't have just one star player. I mean, they've had three players this season that have scored over 30 points. I'm not sure how many teams can say that in college basketball. So I like it from the standpoint of they're a very balanced team who plays tenacious defense. I think if you have that combination, you can go far in the tournament. Yeah, that's uh, listen, uh, 
I think everybody's susceptible there now. I don't think anybody's bulletproof. And, and those second-round games are going to be fascinating, depending on which teams get to the second round. Usually we see primarily a bunch of upsets in that first round. And, and how many are we going to get? Um, I, I picked a couple upsets. I've got Richmond beating Iowa, and Iowa's been hot now. Yeah. But I, I picked Richmond. Um, I also picked against another hot team, and that is uh, uh, Virginia Tech. Where did I pick again? They won the ACC. They had an incredible run against uh, Duke and North Carolina. Um, oh, it was an upset. I picked Texas to hold on. I think a lot of people will pick Virginia Tech as an upset in that 6-11, and 11, but I'm picking Texas. Here's what I got in my final four. Uh, I've got uh, Auburn coming out of the Midwest. I have Kansas getting beat early, by the way, by Creighton. Really? So, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, then I have Tennessee coming out of the South. They'll beat Arizona with a little bit of chalk there, although I have Chattanooga in this, my Sweet 16 as well. Um, and uh, I've got Purdue coming out of the East, and I've got the Zags. I'm, I'm high on the Zags. Is this finally the year? I think I've picked them so many times in the past, I'm a little afraid not to pick them, and then they win it. <laughs> no, I definitely hear you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe they didn't win year. it last year. Oh, I know. I mean, the, they had... Yeah, I mean, it was so I, I set up for them. It was definitely set up. The stars were were aligned, and yeah, it didn't work out for them. I mean, I, I think that their their road to get to the championship doesn't really scare me, if, if we're being honest here. Just because, I mean, okay, yeah, you have to go through Duke, and I get like Duke, it's the last dance, and and I think they're the, the hottest betting favorite right now to win the championship. Actually, is Duke really? But I think people, really? are, yeah, but it, it's more of the storyline, right, yeah. than anything. Um, at the end of the day, if you look at how they played the, the past couple weeks, it hasn't been good for Duke. You know, losing to North Carolina your last game at, at Coach K Court, to me that says something. And they're very youthful. Um, they're inexperienced. And, yeah, talent can, can get you far, but can the lack of experience get you all the way to the championship? I have a hard time believing that. So I think the road for Gonzaga um, might be easier really than anybody because, like, yeah, Texas Tech plays great defense, and I get it. that They could be an opponent. You know, Alabama relies so much on the three-point shot. You have one off night, and you're going home. Arkansas is what it is there. Like, nobody really out of that West scares me like uh, Gonzaga scares me. So I think their road to the championship um, is pretty easy. And then I think, you know, depending on Arizona, because their, their point guard is kind of in and out. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to play the first couple of games. I think Arizona's run could be fairly easy as well like Bill Nova can scare you I get it they're always a well-coached team but to me it comes down to Arizona and Gonzaga um with their paths to the tournament I think Baylor with their injury history right now um they could be upset very early on but to me it's Arizona and Gonzaga in terms of the, the easiest pass right now yeah I think uh it's I agree with that on the Gonzaga part especially. It really pops out to me. I think Tennessee's a real dangerous team here. Uh, they are good. Barnes has been there before. I, I That's a fun bracket because even the lesser known – Houston has had some success, right? Yeah. I've got Chattanooga actually beating Houston and Chattanooga making a little run. But would you be surprised if Michigan finds itself after what they had to go through and makes a little run? Loyola is in there. Sister Jean is there at 102 years old. <laughs> Villanova is tough, you know? And so I think there's um, there, there's a lot to like in this basketball tournament that you can make cases for. Uh, I probably went a little more chalky than, than I'd hoped to go. Now, one, one thing about uh, – give you a tip. 
and you know this. Well, one thing I tried to get Wisconsin and Providence squaring off, but I couldn't get them both to the Elite Eight. I just couldn't do it. Oh, I like Auburn a little bit too much. Um, but the Big Ten is, if you want to go heavy on a conference, the Big Ten would be that, right, Austin? I mean, that's the best conference in college basketball. I mean, y- y- we say it year in and year out, but, like, you know, there has been a little underachieving from the Big Ten. I mean, you have to like Iowa because in terms of a team that's, you know, white hot right now, um, shout out to the Scotty Cameron. Was that Scotty Cameron putter? Or no, that's Odyssey. Just, my, my bad. Yeah, Odyssey, the, the Odyssey very putter. Good. Yeah, the white hot. Um, <laughs> well, when we talk about white hot, I mean, Iowa is that team. You know, I mean – running through the Big Ten um, conference in the tournament um, and essentially winning it. So Iowa's a very hot team right now. Wisconsin is, and I I talked to Casey about this, they're such an enigma to me because there's some times where Wisconsin looks like they're world beaters. You know, John Davis, one of the best basketball players in the country. And then there's times where you host Nebraska, you know, the last game of the season, senior night, and Nebraska comes comes to your place and beats you. So yeah. Wisconsin and you blew like a lead in that yeah. game too. Yeah. So and uh, I watched that game and yeah, Davis goes down with an injury, but that's, that's still no excuse to to lose to Nebraska, man. Come on, what are we talking about here? So Wisconsin is a very tricky team. He's halfway team. in the water. He's halfway in. So the water. Wisconsin's a very tricky team to me, but I will say this: they're playing their first two games in Milwaukee, and I like that a lot. I like how you sped that up. You go watch the Gator. We'll bring in uh, Captain Rick Riles, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Captain Rick, we've got a real-life situation outside the Action Sports Jack studios. We've had a Gator out there all afternoon, and this isn't just a Gator. This is like a big, like, this is a good 8-foot Gator, we think. It may even be a little bit bigger. It's got some girth to it, and we're waiting for it to kind of pounce. Looks like it might be on the prowl for, uh, I don't know, a goose, a duck, something else. Well, you know, your compadre there kind of reminds me of a poodle owner. Why don't you have him walk his poodle down to the lake, and we'll see how the gator likes that. First of all, it is a a French animal, but it's a French bulldog, not a poodle. And no, my my French bulldog is at home safe and sound. Thank you very much, Captain Rick. Just just an idea. I was just thinking then we could measure him and find out. Because he'd get the leash tangled up in his teeth. We could drag him up to the studio, measure him, and we'd know everything. I I spent some years gator hunting, and they they are not for the faint of heart, I promise you. But, uh, wait a minute. So you, you wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, 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 time out. Don't don't talk fishing yet. Yeah. So you actually did like gator hunting? Like, oh, like yeah. what did that oh, entail? Yeah. Did it for four or five years. Yeah. It uh, it it was funny, Brent. When it started out, when I first started doing it, and this is several years back now, the gators were not used to hunters, and it was not the big sport that swamp people made it be. And we could actually harpoon gators. We would we would creep along the bank uh, in a boat but um, with small lights and we could we could make out a gator and we'd harpoon him. Five years later, the gators had learned all the tricks. You a second a light hit them, they were gone. They were down. Wow. So it's, it's smart. It's a um, it's not a it's not a, a, a sport for the faint of heart, I promise you, because sometimes when you hit them with a paint stick and load them into your boat, you find out a few minutes later, they're not really dead. And that's never never a good thing. <laughs> but let's talk some fishing. Uh, Captain Robert Johnson reported that yesterday, actually they didn't 
didn't uh, troll all day. They trolled about a half a day, but they did have a number of pretty nice tuna. The tuna bit well. Wasn't much else biting well until they came back inshore and caught some vermilions and triggerfish. Today was just too windy, and everybody stayed inshore. But the reds bit good, and here's a very surprising report. If you're an inshore fisherman, you'll be surprised to learn that there were a number of legal mangrove snapper caught today. Brent, that's a fish we usually see late July through September. Um, we usually have to have very hot water. So kind of strange things going on there. There are also some flounder, a snook or two, and quite a few redfish today. The more is going to be better. The more is going to be the start of a two-day stretch that looks better to me. And I think the guys are going to be able to get offshore. There will be trolling at the Gulf Stream, I'm sure, and there will be uh, bottom fishing back inshore. But there's always one thing you can count on. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. You need me to come take care of that gator for you, Austin. Oh, no, we're all good, man. He's officially the, the, the team mascot now, so we're just going to let him chill and see what happens. Okay, because I, I probably still got a bang stick somewhere. Oh, no, man. Let him live. <laughs> let him live and let him thrive. Yeah, wait till he eats your poodle. You won't feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to you boys later. Thanks, Captain Rick. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. We'll give you one final update on the Gator. I wonder if he'll be there tomorrow. Uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN. 690 rolls on. We put a bow on a day that's been busy. Still more Jags talk. They had another free agent. And uh, Trent Bulky, Doug Peterson, pretty happy with the class that they added. Now it's on to the draft. Uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 continues right after this. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin, Casey Kurtz, Austin Lane, Gator Hunting. Give us an update before we end the show. Man, I'm telling you, Brent, it's just there's there's death in the air right now. You know what? It's supper time. And I'm saying supper time because old people say supper time, not young people. And this, judging by the size of this gator, it's definitely an old one. So he's waiting for his supper. Uh, I like it. Okay. Uh, we have golf picks, Valspar Championship. I was just over in the Tampa area. I should have stayed, right, Casey? Yeah, sorry. Telling Brian Middleton about the gator. He just walked in. He's now got his eyes on it. Uh, yeah, he's Tampa flabbergasted, by the way. Yeah. He... Who's bigger, Brian Middleton or the Gator? Gator. He, he just rolled. I swear to God, he just rolled up his sleeves and said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's planning. What are you doing, Brian? But uh, yeah. yeah, the the golf is in the Tampa area, uh, Palm Harbor to be exact, but more specifically Tampa and the Valspar Championship. All right, uh, go ahead. What you got? You go first. Yeah, I'll go with a uh, local fella who played well. I don't know why I called him fella in the uh, <laughs> uh, Players Championship last week. Uh, give me Russell Knox. Oh wow! Yeah, good. That'd be nice to see. Um, why don't you? Why don't you? Your theme be today like who would be the best Gator Wrangler? No, I was gonna do that, but then I asked Casey what uh, what Valspar was. Turns out it's paint. So um, when we talk about paint, I'm reminded of my my formative years back in high school, where I used to paint houses in the summertime. There was always oh, yeah. some creepy weird dude on a motorcycle that would come by and bother us. Um, when we're trying to paint these houses. So if I'm going up who that creepy old dude was that he looked like, Tommy Fleetwood all day. So give me, give me Tommy Fleetwood big, big in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tommy. Tommy Fleetwood uh, big. Yep. Hey, quick animal right. update. The bodyguard geese are still out there, so they have not been eaten. Okay. Geese are still out there, Brent, but they're circling. Maybe, this this right. could be a showdown. I picked a heck of a week to not be in studio. I know, man. I'm at least it's like, safe. It's like Westside. Th 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 these geese are starting to swarm. It's going to be like w w uh, West Side Story. They're distracting the Jets. Get out of my culture. 
Uh, you are cultured. I'm going to go. How about with the lefty Brian Harmon this week? Is that okay? Is that yeah, chalk, Brian. Casey? Casey? No. No, uh, is that a chalk alert? Okay. It's not really chalk, but it's weird that my friend who I do the podcast with also picked Brian Harmon. So now I'm thinking there's like a oh, cahoot the, situation. Yeah, the fix is in. Yeah. Brett knows well, something. Listen, you see the results so far, folks. <laughs> you know who to follow in the golf picks. That is true. I'm yeah. also losing uh, on the podcast for what it's worth. So uh, There you go. See, um, all right. Hey, NCAA tournament tonight. We have the first four games. Before that, though, right after this, in the next couple minutes, Casey Kurtz, Brian Middleton, fight a Gator. On Action Sports Jacks OT. No, well, maybe not. Maybe they do. I don't know what they're planning. That's till 6 to 6.30. Then we've got the tournament. And by the way, we have the NCAA tournament starting tomorrow at noon. Noon time, Casey. Noon time start. Nope. For the NCAA tournament. Just noon. On ESPN 690. <laughs> we'll also have games all evening uh, oh, after man. our show. This so our show's mobility. still on. It's, it's amazing the hips that the skater has right now. <laughs> Fluid. Tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, we compare the, the Gator Combine <laughs> for our newest mascot. He's got there some bend go. on him. Uh, speaking of, we probably will talk a little bit about the dogs tomorrow in terms of Georgia. They had their pro day today. Uh, an impressive group of dogs uh, for sure. All right, that'll do it for Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Casey, Brian, up next, NCAA Hoops right after that. Have a good night, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.